After last week's epic win over Mexico, the Americans abroad continue to keep the good vibes going. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? Going on, Dude, I'm doing good, man. Had a pretty good weekend. My alma mater, ASU defeated Wisconsin. My Arizona Cardinals won, and all I needed, Ivis, was uh, my favorite MLS team to win. Even though I, you know, I don't cheer for an MLS team, but it was a good weekend, though. Your <laughs> your favorite MLS team. I think most people by now, most of our diehard listeners are fully aware that you are a Real Salt Lake. Fan. There is you no know? way. There is no truth to this oh, wait, to this wait, myth wait, wait. or Sorry, rumor on this show. I apologize, to everybody. He's not a fan. He is an employee. My mistake. <laughs> I hate you. Well, hey, uh, this is what I'll say. Uh, We're 40 seconds to the show, and I'm already over. I'm over the show already, Ivis. <laughs> well, listen, Sunday night, we're recording this show. It's 2 a.m., a great night for people who actually follow good television because Breaking Bad was ridiculous tonight. I'm not going to spoil it in any way, but I just want everyone to know that Garrett lives in Arizona, not far from Albuquerque, New Mexico, where the show is. And he does not watch the show, dude. I, t- Albuquerque. I try, to, I try to I try to explain to him what a travesty it is that he doesn't watch Breaking Bad, but he he doesn't listen to me. Albuquerque to Phoenix, dude. That's like a six seven hour drive. That is not even close at all. That's well. There's nothing close to you. You're in the middle of nowhere. There's, there's nothing close to you. That's true. L.A. is like six. San Diego's five. Vegas is six. Yeah, everything's pretty far. Exactly. You need to move to where stuff is. How about that? Dude, I, I will say this. The funniest thing. I was watching, A couple years ago when Manchester City went up to, like I think, Newcastle and played a game, they lost. And the announcer was like, oh, these poor fans, they have to drive back 180 miles. I was like, 180 miles? Are you kidding me? I drive like 300 to L.A. to go to some soccer games. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Tons to talk sure. about on this show. As always, uh, we're going to do a Q&A at the end of the show. Um, we're going to talk all MLS. For everyone listening to the show, sometimes Ivis and I, just to, to keep time constraints on the show, we don't talk all the MLS teams, but we promise in this show we will, re- we will discuss every MLS game for this weekend. So if you regularly don't hear your team, we promise we will talk about your team when we break down uh, the MLS games. We need to talk about the October and November call-ups for the U.S. men's national team. But as I said, Ivis, in the well, beginning of the show, uh, very impressive weekend once again for the Americans abroad. Terrence Boyd getting a goal, Sasha Kleshin getting a goal. Impressive weekend again from Tim Howard getting a shutout. And it's, uh, I mean, it's good to see this uh, success, you know, against Mexico last week and, and continued success in Europe for the guys. Okay, since you spoiled it, I got to get back. I got to go all the way back now. Rewind about the MLS games. For those of you who hadn't figured it out by now, we do not talk about every MLS game. We usually pick the five best games and try to talk about those. And I know there's some people who have asked the question, like, why don't you talk about our team? And, you know, I think it basically boils down to this. If your team isn't really playing good games, then they're probably not going to get talked about. Your team stinks. Yeah, your team's probably not that good or not that interesting or not that (laughs) cool to anyone outside of the market. However, what we're going to do now, we're going to try to talk about every game and the good games and the bad games. Obviously, the good games we'll we'll spend more time on. And then those stinkers that people just want to forget ever happened, like earthquakes, whitecaps. We're probably not going to spend a lot of time on that game. So, okay, back to Americans Abroad. Yes. yes an amazing weekend for Americans Abroad. Uh, come, following up the uh, you know, the big win against Mexico, uh, you always wonder how these guys are going to respond uh, you know, in the days after that, especially on short rest. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you had a, you, quite a few guys do pretty well who actually played in that game. Tim Howard followed up the shutout against Mexico with a shutout against Chelsea. It's a pretty good week, and uh, it's just it just makes it funnier. To think just a week ago, uh, you had fans that were up in arms and media up in arms about Tim Howard, and maybe he's fallen off. Maybe it's Brad Guzan time. You know? 
it just shows you how quickly things change. And, you know, I think people have been reminded now that Tim Howard is still a quality goalkeeper. He's still going to be the number one. He still should be the number one. And uh, I, I think that's – he's put that to rest for now. But as we know, that stuff will probably never go away. Um, and then some other guys as well. Fabian Johnson, who, who you know, got hurt in the Mexico game. He, he, he managed to come back and play and play a full 90 in a big win for Hoffenheim. Uh, you had you had him. He did well. Uh, and then you had three players score goals who uh, who none of them actually played in the Mexico game. But, you know, they're all in the pool. Uh, Aaron Johansson, who was the only one who was actually there. Uh, and two other guys who didn't get called in, Terrence Boyd and Sasha Kleshton, who are both uh, really doing well on the club side. Neither was called in, as we are fully aware. But I think, uh, you know, with the rate at the rate both those guys are going, uh, Kleshton, I believe, has four goals in five games. Terrence Boyd, I believe, has six goals right now uh, on the season in all competitions. Those guys, have, uh, you know, are definitely sending a message to Jurgen that uh, don't forget about us. And I think the incredible thing right now, too, is Aaron Johansson. <laughs> I mean, you look at it, Josie Adjador set the record for AZ in goals this past season. Aaron Johansson, I mean, it's going to be a long stretch for him to get to 31 goals, Ivis, but still on pace with incredible six goals already to start the season. I mean, it's remarkable to see just how impressive he is for his club right now. Yeah, let's not start. Let's not start talking about pace and being on pace for anything. Let's just appreciate him for what he's doing now. He's doing really well. I mean, it's just funny how you know before like before last year, the idea of anybody scoring thirty-one goals, any American scoring thirty-one mm-hmm. goals, was unheard of. Obviously, you know, mid twenties was, was was the record. Uh, and, you know, Clint Dempsey's just set that. So even if you go back three years ago, uh, the idea of an American scoring twenty was. Unheard of at this, uh, and now you, you obviously have seen Dempsey do that, Josie Altidore do that, uh, and now Aaron Johansson. He's looking, he's looking really good. Uh, Az, uh, you have to give them credit. They're scoring goals, even though you know they lose Josie Altidore. They, they also sold um, Adam Mayer, who was their big, their, their star, young uh, Dutch star midfielder. But they're still putting in the goals. They still have a really ta- talented team there. Uh, so the, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how many goals he can score because he has the talent. We've seen it in flashes, um, and uh, it's gonna be interesting to see how how he keeps developing at AZ and if he's gonna get his chance in October uh, to get a look in, in one of these qualifiers. And when you talk about Josie Altador, unfortunate this weekend, it a goal he scored disallowed when the referee should have ruled to play on. When he was fouled, and it totally transformed the game in Sunderland versus Arsenal. Arsenal then went on to win three to one, but just tough break for Josie, who you know we saw he had, he had you know a little bit of injury with the U.S. Men's National Team. Good to see him uh, at full fitness and, and scoring a goal, but just tough break for him not to have that goal counted. It's just poor, poor call, just an atrocious call in that game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think anyone anyone who isn't an Arsenal fan, I think, will ex- acknowledge the fact that you know they probably should have let that continue and let it play on and obviously you know you're gonna get your arsenal fans are gonna be uh you know defend the call because obviously that was a turning point in the game if that goal stands then it's 2-2 and and who knows how the game changes from there but you have to feel good if uh if you're you know josie outdoor it hasn't been the greatest start obviously for for sunderland they're at the bottom of the table right now uh it's early in the season but still not a great start and he's still looking for his first goal of the Premier League season, and, and he really should have had that one. That one was was it. You know, he put in the work. Great, just great show of strength and quality there. And I think that's you're going to see more of that. I mean, as, as Sunderland gets it together, as as they start playing better, 
you're going to see Altidore start to get more and more of those kind of chances. Well, Evis, when we talk about the next call-ups, you know, it's obviously great to see guys like Sasha Klesch and Aaron Hansen, Terrence Boyd getting goals, but we've talked about the possibility of, if there is any possibility, that the guys playing in Europe would get called up for those October uh, World Cup qualifying games because the U.S. is already qualified. So for the U.S., I mean, yes, you want to win those games, but you know, it's not. It's going to be tough to convince you, the European clubs maybe to let some guys go. But can Jurgen make an argument for certain guys like like Terrence Boyd or or Aaron Johansson that he wants to get extended minutes? Uh, look at them during international play, or is it, or is it still going to be reserved to mostly an MLS slash Mexican roster? Well, I'll tell you what. You know, I mean, obviously we talked about this recently, and, and, and just going off of past history, the track record in the past has been that it's usually not European players because. Uh, you know, they don't want to have them travel uh, for these games that don't mean anything. And, and obviously the clubs don't want that their players to travel and play in these meaningless games. Obviously MLS has the arrangement with the national team, so it's easier to get those guys. However, it's a, you know, if anyone can maybe put that on its head and maybe turn change things up a little bit, it could be Jurgen Klinsmann. You know, if he, he has the authority now and he has the power to go to these clubs and say, listen, you want your guy in the World Cup, right? You want your players to be on the world's biggest stage. That only helps their value. So if you want your guys to potentially work their way into that mix, I need to see them in these games. So you could, I mean, I think if if he takes full advantage of that, and I don't see why he wouldn't, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann, I don't, I don't think a guy that is going to shy away from flexing his muscle. And I think at this point, you know, with the success of the U.S. team, and obviously his name recognition, you know, you, you want to think that he can go to some of these clubs and say, look, your your guy is on the fringes, you're, but but I need to see him. I need to get a look at him. I want to put him on the field in big games. You know, someone like Azed, you know, I'm sure they, they might object if, if uh, the, they might object to the idea of Aaron Hansen coming into these games. But at the same time, it, you know, they can't do anything about it at the end of the day. They can't. So Jurgen's going to have to look at that and say, all right. You know what? I'm going to call him who I want to call him. And and while you know someone like Tim Howard, uh, you could you could see, you know, him obviously getting a rest. He's played he's played enough games. He's tried he travels enough. You want to give him a rest. But for a lot of these younger guys, especially mixed disc group, Aaron Johansson, Terrence Boyd, uh, these are guys that need to get some games. They need to get some full ninety minute games. And, and I think it'd be these two games in October will be a great opportunity, especially that Panama game, because that Panama game is going to mean something. And just to have that experience of playing in a hostile atmosphere like Panama is going to be, uh, you know, you, you want to give some of some of these guys that opportunity. So I think I know the last time around I said I don't see it happening. But I, I what I will say is I'd like to see it. Happen. I'd like to see these guys get called it. John Brooks uh, mixed this group. Eric Lehigh is an example. I mean, <laughs> talk about him all the time. The guy just started his sixth straight game for Nottingham Forest, who are currently in third place in the league championship. So he's off. He's doing well. So you, th- this is that opportunity. So I, 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 what I will say is, folks, don't don't write it off. But if it doesn't happen, it's just history. That's how that's how it's happened from with every coach before. Well, Ivis, we can talk more about those guys and those call-ups as those games uh, get a little bit closer. Those games will be a little less than a month from now. But let's bring it back over the, to, to the domestic league. Struggling with saying that, Ivis, third time now. Um, Seattle. <laughs> you, struggle, you struggle with that. Struggling, struggling. Uh, <laughs> Seattle on Friday night defeated Real Salt Lake 2-0. to zero. Uh, Goal by Emma, Obafemi Martins, Lamar Nagel. 
Uh, they caught the, uh, RSL's defense kind of off guard in the very early portions of the game. And I mean, Seattle, obviously, they've won eight of nine games now. You predicted them to be the MLS Cup champion. They're now first in the West. I mean, do they are firing on all cylinders and look very impressive right now? They're really, they're really clicking right now. And I, and one thing I noted in this is uh, just looking at their recent run. I mean. This isn't a one-game deal. They've really put on a nice run of results here, and they've done it missing players, right? Whether international call-ups or injuries, uh, but this was kind of that first true statement game for them to show they're a serious contender, right? And and I know folks in Salt Lake will look at the game and say, oh, you know, the calls didn't go our way, and you know the referee was was lopsided, making lopsided calls, no. No Seattle guys got cards, but everyone in RSL got cards. Listen, I get all that. I appreciate all that. But you know what? Your own players, almost to a man, and everything that came out after that game, RSL's own players to a man came out and admitted that they just didn't play well enough. And 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 Seattle did. Seattle played well. They created the better chances. They put them away. And, uh, you know, yes, did the referee have a great night? No, he didn't have a great night. But the referee's not why... Seattle won that game. Seattle won that game because they were the better team mm-hmm. uh, that night. And for me, that's a statement victory, especially when you think about it. Eddie Johnson, Clint Dempsey on the bench for the game. Um, they come off, you know, they, they they didn't even have those guys in the lineup, and they still were able to turn in really strong performance. You can you can say you can say what you want about maybe RSL being a little tired, especially someone like Kyle Beckerman coming off the, mm-hmm. uh, the the big game against Mexico with the national team. But I still say that is an impressive victory. Uh, and the kind of win that can really start getting them rolling. And I mean, they're already rolling, right? They won seven of eight, but that's that is the kind of win that that can really just bring their confidence to a new level. Yeah, it's eight of nine, Ivis, that they won. I think the impressive thing uh, about this game was the fact that Jiggy Smith was able to get kind of the four big names, the, the four big forwards on the field at the same time. You said before, Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey, excuse me, Eddie Johnson were both on the bench. They came in. Uh, in the second half, and, and then what, you got a taste of what Seattle kind of wants to do. Seattle then shifted to a 4-3-3. You have Obafemi Martins up top, Eddie Johnson to the right, Clint Dempsey in an attacking role, and Lamar Nagel on the left. Ivis, if you're an opposing defense, opposing coach, I mean, these four guys, when you look at that, and any of them can score at any moment. Any moment, And, I mean, they're going to be tough to really defend at, if this is the type of formation that we could see from Seattle going forward in the future. I don't know if that's true, to be honest with you. I don't think I don't know if Siggy Schmidt's going to have that luxury of putting all those guys on the field together. And the funny thing is, you, you can talk about those names and oh my god, they were all on the field together. But guess what? Second half of that game was uh, it was terrible. They, you know, other Clint Dempsey, you know, danced around and did a bunch of tricks, but they didn't score. I mean, they they didn't really do much when they had all those guys on the field. It wasn't a pretty game. So I, you know, it's again, I've said it before. You get, it's easy to get caught up with throwing up throwing a bunch of attacking players on the field. But doesn't mean it's going to work, right? It can work in FIFA, but in, in reality, in real world, practical, practical times, is it going to work? I don't know if it will. If you're going to play a team like the Los Angeles Galaxy, who can be, when they're healthy and at full strength, with the, with the kind of structure that they have and the kind of weapons that they have, they'll tear you apart. Real Salt Lake, on another night, I think they could have had much more success. So, that, you know what? I, I don't know if we're going to see... Seattle go to a fourth of a true four three three. I don't think that's going to happen. Well, but, uh, I do I, the weapons. The weapons, though. Yes, it is impressive to see all the weapons and see who's going to stay on the field and who's going to end up having to come off the bench. Yes, and I think with more time, since I, I, I mean, I'd love. To, I don't. I don't have a stat in front of me that says how many times these four guys have all played together in the same game. Whether or not one's on the field and one's on the bench, but I mean, this maybe has to be second, third, maybe if that time they've all played together. So I think. Given more time, once they kind of learn the system, I think they'll work out. 
over the weekend, Ivis, the Houston Dynamo, we talked about them, possibility that, that the season might be slipping, but, but you kind of backed them saying, you know, we've seen this out of the Houston Dynamo. They've always been able to find a way, and they did. They defeated the Philadelphia Union 1-0. Uh, Ricardo Clark got the lone goal in this game, and then just like that, Houston, outside of the playoffs, is now back inside of the playoff picture. You can't, you can't rule them out. You, can't, you can never count out the Dynamo. Just because it's what they do. End of the year, they find a way. They find a way to get in, and once they're in the playoffs, they make things happen. And you know, Philly, Philly's in a lot of trouble, right? I mean, they, they, they. I think this is five in a row without a win. Uh, they're a team that I, I said, I've said again. If you listen to the show through the entire year, you know I've said it. They're a team that were they were, they were overachieving. They're a young team. Next year, I see more as being a year for them. Once they they get some of that dead money off their books, and they can go bolster the roster the way they want to do it. Uh, I think they overachieved, and I think now the it's kind of balancing itself out a bit, and their their uh, inexperience is starting to hurt them a bit, and the lack of quality uh, top to bottom I think is starting to hurt them a bit because it's tough, you know, when you have a third of your salary cap or maybe more tied up in dead money. That's like a big, that's a serious handicap. Uh, having trying to compete with other teams, so uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying the Union are dead yet. I'm not saying the playoff hopes are dead, but right now, I mean, with Houston, had they jumped right back in, they, and they they're that veteran team. Uh, you, you have to like their chances to get it done. The Chicago Fire now have jumped in. They've made the complete climb all the way back up, and with the with the additions that they've made, I, I, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for the Union to to get that place back. Well, let's talk about the Chicago Fire. I mean, Ivis, like you said, they, they, they fought all the way in. They're also, if the playoffs started uh, right now, the Chicago Fire would be in the playoffs. And another impressive result for them, Mike McGee does it again, gets his 16th goal on the season. Uh, the, they come back twice against the New England Revolution. And, I mean, just impressive from the Chicago Fire, Ivis. And, and I think I was thinking about this the other day over who could be MVP at, at this point of the season. If, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, and, and, I, and I was like, you know, if Mike McGee, if the Chicago Fire can make the playoffs, I think you can make a compelling case that Mike McGee is a guy who could win the MVP this season. He is in the conversation, without a doubt. Um, you know, he he was great with L.A., and then the trade happened, and he's been absolutely outstanding for the fire. Um, you have to like the pieces that they've added after that. I mean, obviously, McGee, and as we've said it a million times, McGee and Sumari coming together in Chicago really filled the, the, the needs that they had, right? But now they've gone and added more pieces to, the, to, their, to their squad. Um, I like it. I like their depth. I like the quality that they have top to bottom. And, and New England, they, I think they were overachieving as well. They, they surprised me. They've had some guys really step up. Kellen Rowe has, been, has really turned it on, and he's really looking like a player now uh, coming into his own and being a real force as a midfielder in MLS. It's impressive to see as young as he is. I mean, this guy could still be in college right now. I mean, just to show you as young as he is, but he's really doing well. But there's still something not – there's something kind of lacking there still in New England. I just don't know what it is. I know their defense has been really strong for good stretches of the season. I just don't know. I just don't know if – much like Philly, I just don't know if they're going to have what it takes to catch Houston and Chicago. Well – before the weekend's games, Ivis, Union and Revolution are both in the playoffs. They've both been leapfrogged, leapfrogged by the teams they lost to, Dynamo uh, and uh, Brainfart and, uh, and the Chicago Fire. But uh, I mean, when you look at this, Ivis, I mean, it, it, just out of curiosity, these four teams are going to be battling for those final two spots. Who do you think can ultimately get into the playoffs? I think you have to go, I mean, again, it's going to depend a big, a big part of it's going to be health. 
uh, also the schedule. You know, who do you have at the end of the year? Uh, you know, on your schedule. And Houston, the thing that's interesting with Houston is, I would peg them as the favorites based on their experience and and their quality. But they also have Champions League they have to deal with. They have Concacaf Champions League matches left in the schedule, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how Dom Kinnear handles that. How he you know, balances that between all the games that he, that they have to play here. Um, you know, so when you, when you talk about that, and, and I think Chicago, with the, the additions they've made to their team, I, I think they've strengthened themselves more uh, than Philly and New England have. So when you look at it that way, I just think I think Houston and Chicago are going to be the teams uh, that went out. You know, I'm looking at their schedules going forward, and just based off strength of schedule, Houston has really tough strength of, ske- strength of schedule. Chicago looks a little bit easier, but Ivis, as we always say, you have to play the games. There's no easy victories because uh, there's some other games that we'll talk about. But first, New York Red Bulls defeated Toronto FC uh, 2-0. to zero. You were actually at this game, but you weren't working. But were you impressed with New York Red Bulls? And also, since Henri's been benched, he's come back, started the next two games, and has scored two goals and had one assist. So, uh Pecky's motivation clearly paying off. I don't know about that. I think it's a little bit of a stretch. Um, uh, what I would say is, you know, they've definitely gotten these results, but they've also have they haven't really played teams that are that are killing it right now, right? They they they've taken advantage of an early part of, of a kind of a weaker part of their schedule. They've taken care of business. The more impressive run that you have to look back on is their run in July when they beat Montreal, Real Salt Lake. And uh, who's the third team? They Sporting KC. They beat Sporting KC in Kansas City. I think that run is was the more telling stretch to show us that you know what, maybe they do have the quality to get it done. Right now, I think they're just holding on um, because these games. Okay, the Houston game was impressive because look, the Dynamo laid an egg. The Red Bulls jumped all over them. Yeah, the Red Bulls games, usually bad on the road too, right? But these last two games, I mean, this Toronto game was ugly. Let, let's be honest, it wasn't a pretty game. Toronto's a Probably right now the worst team in the league, um, even worse than uh, than DC. I mean, I think just talking about recent form over the past month or so, uh, Chivas USA has been better. I think DC has been better. I think Toronto is just really just awful. So uh, they're playing with one of the worst teams in the league, uh, the worst team in the league right now, probably without Tim Cahill. And so them for them to they they put in what they put in the performance they had to put in. And they you know what. Red Bulls against bad teams at home, they've, they've killed it for the last however many years. That's never been a problem with them. Biggest problem with them in the, through, through the years has been uh, the tough teams, especially on the road. So I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't think anyone's printing MLS Cup tickets just yet, but it, it is good for them to rack up these points, uh, especially without Tim Cahill, because his absence is a big – it's a big loss because it, they just don't have someone who can give them what he gives them. And – it just shows that you know they're they're just trying to fill in fill in bodies for him while he's gone. But once he gets back, then you really see, then you're gonna really see if that Red Bulls team can be a title contender. Did it feel weird going to the game as a fan and not working it? Well, I wouldn't say I was going as a fan. I was going as a spectator. Yeah, a spectator. Sorry, I didn't. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I took you know I took my two boys uh, to the game. You know, they, I think we go like maybe once a year. I think it'd been two years actually since I take personally taking them i usually do it uh i usually try to attend the game after the world cup like because i always take a few weeks off after you know five weeks of the world cup i usually try to take some time off and, and maybe just chill out and go to a game um so it was it was good to see you know uh, just to see from that that perspective of you know other different part of the stadium uh great crowd I, I gotta say and that's the thing too about that place i mean there's so much people get people give red bull arena so much flack because they watch it on tv 
and they'll see empty seats in the middle of the stadium, and they think, oh, this place is empty, this place is not, is, there's no life, no atmosphere. And it, nothing can be further from the truth. The atmosphere there is usually pretty great. And even when it's 65% full, 75% full, it's still a great atmosphere just because of the way the stadium is built, the way it keeps sound. So it's a great – It's I, I'd say for anyone who, who likes to get on Red Bull Arena and get on the Red Bulls for the crowds and, and whatever the atmosphere is like, if you haven't actually been there, chances are you have no idea what it's like. Well, Avis, the Colorado Rapids uh, continuing their impressive – run lately. I mean, they've picked up points in 11 out of their last 12 games. They just defeated uh, FC Dallas 2-1 to over the weekend, coming back uh, for the Dow- FC Dallas scored first, David Fair uh, scored first, but uh, Colorado came back and, and got a victory, and I mean, Ivis, it's, it's very impressive what, what they've been able to do this year, and I mean, the run that they're on uh, as of late is, is equally equally as impressive, if not more. I gotta say, man, with this Colorado team, they just keep getting results, and you know, the thing about them is We've talked about their depth. We've talked about the way that their young players have come along and, and the way some of these other kind of these new faces coming into the year, Chris Clint, Clint Irwin, how outstanding they have been. But now you, know, you also have to look at some of these pickups they've made this summer. Um, Gabriel Torres uh, and Sanchez, who scored the goal for them, I believe it was the winning goal uh, this weekend. I mean, they, they those two veteran pieces to just add even more depth to that team. And the job, the job that Oscar Pereira has done. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this over the weekend because, you know, we were just talking. I was talking to somebody about coaches in the league, and you know, when we were talking about at midseason, when we were talking about MLS Coach of the Year, there were two names: Jason Christ, Caleb Porter. And right now, I mean, with all due respect to Jason Christ, he's a great coach. Russell uh, has done a great job, but I'm sorry, I think for me right now, Oscar uh, Pereira is Coach of the Year. I mean, when you just look at coming into the season, yes, I know Montreal's doing doing really well, but as I've said before, Montreal, the team that he inherited, was the team that was really strong in the second half of last season. So that carryover shouldn't have been a huge surprise that Montreal would be better this year. Uh, RSL, I said before the season, look, it's they're reloading, they're not rebuilding. Don't expect them to fall off, and they haven't. So you know what? They're they're doing what you what they what they what I thought they'd do. I thought they'd be a strong team. The one surprise for me is Colorado because, you know what, I saw them being more of a the, – next year being the big year for them. This being the growing pains year, the year where some of the younger guys kind of learn and, and mature and get experience. But I, you know what, the way that Perea has handled it, uh, obviously he, he was forced into having to play some of these guys because of all the injuries. But so many of these guys have just really put it together, like Dylan Powers and Sean Brown and, as mentioned before, uh, oh, Shane O'Neill. I mean, come on. We're talking a U-20 defender uh, playing the way he's playing. I mean, it's just outstanding. So, for me, Pereja really – I don't know if he'll get win the award, but he's going to get my vote as of right now. I mean, I, I don't know who's going to – I don't know who could catch him just because of what he's done already has uh, been unbelievable. Uh, the Columbus crew went up to Montreal and defeated them on the road. Uh, very surprising. Montreal, obviously, this has to be just a devastating loss. I mean, you saw the reactions on the field. Columbus kind of, I guess you can recontinue the argument that maybe they're back in the playoff picture. But for Montreal, some of the comments after the game where Shelly Baum was saying that the Columbus crew, it's their, their boogie team or their boogeyman. Montreal had tons of opportunities. Uh, in the first half that they, they couldn't finish and, and that's you need to finish your goals and, and if you can be up 2-0 going into that that changes but Federico Higuain had a remarkable game in the second half his pass uh, to Dominic Oduro for that second goal was amazing and for for Montreal I mean that's that's against the crew this year that's two losses and they've had a draw against them and 
it's 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 unfortunate for Montreal, but I mean, th- these are games you have to win at this point in the season. They had a ton of chances, they couldn't finish them. They've had, it's been a problem for them all year against this team. They they've pretty much outplayed the crew every time these teams have played, but they've not gotten the results. And why is that? It's just you know, at a certain point, you have to ask yourself. Sometimes just teams, the matchup, just it's just something they have your number. And I, I mean, I, I happen to watch. Uh, this game live and uh, not in person, but just it, I had it on. It was it was the only game going on at the time, and it w- it was really it was mind boggling that you know the way Montreal should have just blown that game open, and they didn't. And you know credit to the crew. Once uh, once Montreal kind of got a little frustrated in the second half, they pounced Iguain pounced, and uh, and they burned them. And once again, that defense, that Montreal defense. I'm sorry. I know they've been better lately. I know they've started to put some results together. But that defense is not a championship defense by any means, by any stretch. And I think they're going to have problems. And I think once they get in the playoffs, whether it's playing, whether they have to play KC or whether they have to play the Red Bulls, uh, they're, they're going to struggle. I think they're going to struggle. They're not going to. They, I don't know if they can keep teams on the board. And in the playoffs, you have to have a good defense, and they just don't have it. As for the crew in the playoffs, I, I'm not. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to go there. Um, I just still don't think they have the just overall quality to get it done. Maybe they'll surprise me, but you know what? Right now, the the way the gap is, and the way that some of these teams that that, that teams that are now holding on to the top, the the last playoff spots, Houston and Chicago. Uh, I just don't see the crew closing the gap on those teams. Another team that that impressed over the weekend, uh, even though we discussed they might be one of the worst teams in the league. DC United uh, were able to pull a draw with the LA Galaxy. Omar Gonzalez in this game had another mental error after we were. After I, I was singing his praises, and I mean, with the U.S. men's national team, I don't think he would make the mistake that he did against the D.C. United in this. In the U.S., I mean, you see the team want to knock a ball around, one-two touch, get it out of the back. But, I mean, in this one, he got caught trying to dribble the ball out, and, and then and then uh, D.C. scored another goal late. And, and for Galaxy to go across country and only pick up one point, I mean, that's that's just that's just unacceptable for a team that then that needs the points to stay at the top of the Western Conference. Well, let's face it. It's not, it's not the first time it's happened um, LA going across the country and not getting all the points. I mean, it's it's really a, uh, the track record of things. It's tough to go ac- across country. And not to make any excuses, they're supposed to beat DC. They had all their guys. You could ask you could ask some questions about fatigue. Uh, obviously, Landon Donovan had to come out at halftime of the game. You know, Robbie Keane and Omar Gonzalez both coming off play, you know played. So you know, maybe fatigue was a bit of an issue. But uh, you know, credit to DC, they 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 played. They they took it to them. They they really made it a game, and um, this was this was one of those games where LA, if they end up dropping to the fourth seed in the playoffs, if if Colorado keeps up their form and ends up grabbing that last automatic spot, that top three seed, and LA has to go through the wild card round, they're gonna look back on this game as maybe the game where they they you know they should have played around, they should have put them away in the first half. They're clearly a better team. They just didn't get it done on on the weekend. And then Portland, another team that didn't get it done, they go down to L.A., and they're only able to get a draw with Chivas USA. And, I mean, there's there's still three points clear of, of FC Dallas, but, I mean, you, for Portland, if you're a Portland fan, and, I mean, obviously the team in Portland, I mean, you're going to want to start creating some separation in the West so you're not panicking at the very final games of the season that you need a desperate win to avoid FC Dallas that might be coming back on. It, you know what? It's an interesting one with Portland, and we've said it over and over. Their team that needs a forward. They need a stud, can't miss, not only say can't miss, but just a guy who's going to get you goals on a regular basis. And you look at the other teams that are kind of in, uh, like the true playoff teams, they all have that guy that you know is their 
their goal guy, their goal guy, Terry Henry, Robbie Keane, uh, Eddie, well, Seattle, Eddie has, has a few of them, uh, you know, so they just don't have that guy and, and it's clear as day and there's nothing they could do about it. They got, they went and traded for, for, for Maxi Uruti, who, you know, jury's still out, who knows what he's going to do right away. But I think this is going to haunt them and they're good enough to get in. They're going to, you know what, for me, they're going to get in the playoffs. They're going to hold off FC Dallas. They're good enough defensively and in the midfield to get the points they need to get in the playoffs. But once you get into the playoffs, you have to have that guy that you can count on to score goals for you. And they just don't have that guy. And and that's going to haunt them. That's going to cost them. And it's cost them all through this, this, this season when you think about it. Because from a defensive standpoint and a midfield standpoint, um, they're one of the best teams in the league. Uh, with Ricketts playing as well as he's playing, um, you know, Will Johnson, Diego Chara, Ronnie Wallace has been great as well. Uh, Nagby, they, but they just don't have that stud striker. Uh, and I can guarantee, I can guarantee you this, right? That I don't think they're gonna, they're not winning the title this year, in my opinion. I don't think they're going to do it. But you can guarantee that Merritt Paulson and Caleb Porter are going to be on the hunt for a big ticket forward this offseason, and they're going to go get one. I mean, they, you know, they're not afraid to spend the money. They've spent it before. And, you know, I'm I'm very interested to see the forward that they bring in this offseason because I am pretty sure that's going to be – that's number one and 1A and and two and three on their on their wish list this offseason. And in the most exciting game of the weekend, San Jose and Vancouver played to a scoreless draw at Bookshaw Stadium, which we will see for another season because the Earthquakes' new stadium, which has been just marred by – issues is now delayed for another season, which is very unfortunate for the earthquakes. But uh, yeah, this game, Ivis, most exciting. Did you see the highlights? Totally. There were none. I, yeah, as I said, I totally watched them. <laughs> uh, I don't know what we can say about this game other than the fact that these are two teams that you can pretty much say are not going to make the playoffs. They're, they're not turning it around. I, it, it, this was a stinker, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't know what other way to say it. It was just not a pretty game um, for either team, and and it's one of those games. One of these two teams needed to win this game. We called it beforehand. We said this is kind of an elimination game, and and by tying, I think you feel like they both they they both eliminated they eliminated each other, and and I just don't see it. I don't see either one of those teams turning it around. I mean, I know. Look, if you're if you're Vancouver, uh, you, you want to still have a little hope, but I don't know, man. It's tough. It's tough to see it happening. Uh, as for San Jose, obviously they dug, the 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 hole they dug for themselves early in the year was always going to make it way too tough for them at the end of the year to, to to pull it out. Look at it right now. When you look at the gap, right, they're only actually Vancouver's only five points back. It's not that far back, right? If they all of a sudden turned it on and got and got on a nice run of of results, but I mean, what have they shown in for two months now to make you think that? I'm going to flip a switch. I, I don't see it. I haven't he, seen it. I don't see that. The next six teams they're facing Vancouver are all would all make the playoffs right now if they started. Oh, it's murderer's row for them. Yeah, the, the, yeah actually, yeah. When, you look at, yeah. when you look at their last game, this is their schedule. Montreal, Real Salt Lake, Portland, Seattle, Colorado, Colorado. Yeah, um, about that. Uh, San Jose. San Jose's got Real Salt Lake, Chivas, Colorado, L.A., and Dallas. Uh, 
You know, I give them a little bit more chance, but you know what? I don't see either of those teams catching for them. And all jokes aside about this game, Ivis, there was a bit of uh, g- good news, uh, something that ha- great that was happening. Jaden Merritt uh, came back and played in this game. He had a horrible injury in the beginning of the season, and there was discussion he might b- be back for the rest of the season, but he came back, and, and that's great to see a guy like him back on the field. And, I mean, for anyone who's a U.S. men's national team fan, I mean, you know, Jaden Merritt's always going to hold a special place in, in people's hearts, so it's good to see him back on the field after that injury. It's definitely surprising. I mean, on one hand, it isn't because it's Jaden Merritt. You know, he's going to be a determined guy to get back on the field. But uh, when you talk, was it? I believe it's torn Achilles. That's uh, it's a pretty quick comeback, and and you really hope that it's he's at, he's at a hundred percent, and then that he's not rushing it back. We've seen it, we've seen it before. When when sometimes when athletes rush back and and they think they're fine, and then they have a relapse or they re-injure themselves, and you really hope, knock on wood, everything will be fine with him, and he can just finish it out uh i think obviously he was a big loss for vancouver when it, when that injury happened um you know he's one of the better defenders in the league at the time of the injury so you know you think you, you think that should help him a bit but i don't know i don't know if that's still going to be enough uh, playoff wise to get them in uh they really need their attack in their midfield to get their act together well avis we've reached the end of the show you know what that means sbi q a everyone can always ask questions remember hashtag ask the sbi show we always check twitter First question comes from JB. Why have Corona's minutes at Cholos disappeared? A little concerning to me. Uh, it definitely is concerning. I mean, perfect example this Sunday, uh, they tied Chivas Guadalajara, and uh, he was the only American who didn't actually play of all the healthy ones. I mean, obviously, Hercules Gomez isn't back yet, but you had Edgar Castillo start. You had Garza replace Castillo, great Garza. And you had Paul Ariola come on uh, for Benedetto, their striker. Uh, Corona didn't get a minute, and it's a few games now, and you know it's just something he's going to have to battle with. Uh, you know, when you have a new coach come in, maybe he doesn't like, uh, or he just prefers other players. Uh, so that that's going to be one to watch. And if it doesn't turn around quickly, maybe you're going to see Joe Corona have to leave uh, Tijuana, which kind of is unheard. Of. It, it would have been unheard of uh, last year, and just I mean for the history that Corona has with that club. But you know what? He's a good player. He'll be fine. You know, it was a long summer for him, and that's something that people need to think about as well is that, you know, he spent the entire summer with the national team pretty much, uh, didn't get much of a rest. And you have to wonder if that's starting to weigh on him a little bit, and maybe that he's going to have to get over that and kind of get get back to, you know, get refreshed. And, and, and hopefully with this time off and, and these games that he's missing, he'll be able to jump back in and, and earn his way back onto the team. Maybe the uh, new manager just doesn't like Corona beer, and he sees Corona, he associates Corona with Corona beer. That could be a possibility. This is what, this is why I'm glad we can delete uh, things on this show. <laughs> Next question comes from Will and Farrell. I've seen teams, by the way, we're keeping that. I've seen teams making <laughs> trades and acquisitions recently. Any chance LA can strengthen their midfield? I think the deadline just passed, actually, for acquisitions. So they are stuck with what they have. Uh, their midfield is what it is. You know, you have your... Uh, Juninho and Sarvas and uh, Mikey Stevens, who who came on and played some minutes this past weekend, I, I think they're I think they're ready to roll. You know, I think they have the team. They have a team that can win the title. Will they win the title? I'm not so sure, but they absolutely have the team that can win it. With Robbie Keane and Landon Donovan playing the way they're playing, uh, you know, how do you bet against them? So I I, I don't know if it, I don't know if there's a lot of concern about that team. They're, that they're, they're ready to go and they're right in that conversation. Uh, a very short list, for my money, of teams that really are true title contenders. Next question comes from Matthew Mueller. Do you see, do, do I'm sorry, he, he worded this incorrectly. So, do you see any MLS players 
to go on showcase loans this January, a la Kai Kamara, if so, who? Uh, you know, I- I'm going to say probably Landon Donovan in Manchester United. Makes sense. Can somebody smack you? <laughs> Is anyone in the room there that can just smack you? No, my roommate's, okay. my roommate's sleeping right now. Oh, man. Smack yourself because Landon Donovan is not wearing a Manchester United <laughs> uniform unless he gets one for Christmas. I um, hope I hope someone listens to this show is like, oh, oh it's breaking put it, news. Put it down. Put it down. He will not wear a Man United uniform unless he gets one for Christmas. It's not happening. Um, showcase loans. That's a good question. Uh, I think Graham Zussi is someone maybe who could get a loan. Uh, that, you know, it's always usually attacking players. Uh, Clint Dempsey has already... I believe the the reports out when he first made the move was that is that there that he will have this chance to to move in uh, in January on loan and it'd be just, it'd be great to see him go and join a Champions League team uh, for oh. for the winter and that's the thing if he's going on a short loan he could he could open open himself up to a bunch of different possibilities right I mean before. The talk was, uh, you know, he's not going to leave England. But if it's a short loan, I mean, who knows? He could, he could you know, French team, Turkish team, whatever. So that's that's going to be one to watch. Um, but I think those guys, I think, make the most sense. What uh, Next question comes from Franco Panizzo. How does Breaking Bad end? <sighs> Man, I wish I know. I wish I knew two episodes to go. And I can tell you, anyone who, who hasn't seen Sunday night's episode, uh, good luck not getting it spoiled because there was so much that happened in it. Uh, probably the best episode in the history of the show. At one of definitely one of the top three episodes in the history of the show. If you have it on TiVo and you haven't watched it yet, you better hurry up and watch it because it's just it's just amazing and it's gonna suck if you get it spoiled. And I won't be the one to spoil it, so don't you worry. I just don't worry. I'll join TV show talk with you when Walking Dead comes back. We we could talk about that show all the time. Yeah, that's that's exactly what that's that's, that's what. That's what you want to talk about to set the mood is the zombie show. Next question comes from Nicholas Prokop. After the RSL-Seattle match, are Seattle and the Galaxy the favorites in the West? I think they're the favorites overall. And I, I don't think – I think that was the case before the season, and I don't think that's changed. I think they are going to be the teams to beat. Nothing against Real Salt Lake. They, Real Salt Lake's a good team, right? No, no doubt about it. They've really done a great job build, building up their bench and, and playing some really attractive soccer. I think the list of true contenders is is – it's four teams, and I've said it before: Seattle, LA, Salt Lake, and KC. Those are for me the true favorites, the, the teams that you, I could really see lifting a trophy. Uh, but if, if you want to go the very, very top of that list, I mean, I think you have LA until someone beats the champ, they're the champ, and Seattle with all this depth. Um, you know, Eddie Johnson, Clint Dempsey. Even though Dempsey right now isn't playing at isn't playing great right now, I mean, I think when the playoffs come, I think he's going to step it up. So. Uh, they're they're right there. So yes, I'd say those are the favorites in the West and overall. Next question comes from Chris McGuffin. He asks the age old question: Do you think college soccer should get rid of the downward counting clock as well as unlimited amount of subs? Everybody wants them to. Everyone does. But guess what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we want. It's not going to change. We can all sign a petition. We can all do whatever you want to do. It's it's who the heck knows why it doesn't change. Thankfully, though, there are some teams, there are some coaches who don't use subs liberally, and that's not a knock on the coaches who do. Because listen, because you know you you can't blame a coach if they're just going to play by the rules that they they play by. But there are some coaches who do try to make it a little more 
similar to the pro game, and and so they don't sub all the time. I mean, I know Caleb Porter at Akron when he was at Akron, he he definitely tried to to keep it honest and 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 more similar to what you would see in a pro game, where if a player comes out, he comes out. There's none of this coming in and out stuff. Um, but you know what? That's what you got to deal with um, in the college game, and and, and it's still. It is frustrating, but hey, guess what? It's, there's still a ton of talent in the college game, and it's still serving its purpose as a, as a, a supplementary uh, development system. And and you know what? I tell you what, for those who don't really follow college, this year's college season should be is is, is been great already, and it's going to be great. A lot of competition, a lot of good teams this year, and and more talent, more pro ready talent this year, uh, I think, than any of the years recently. Ivis, next question comes from Eric Fox. Who do you favor for the Open Cup final? Any chance of U.S. soccer doing more with the competition in the future? Well, I think I think everyone outside of D.C. picks uh, Rialto Lake, right? I mean, they're the they're just the better team. Uh, but hey, D.C.'s playing a little better now. The, the youth movement—they're almost like a U23 team with all the young guys they have on it. Uh, so they'll make it interesting, but. Uh, it's at Salt Lake. They're at home. They have a chance to win a trophy. Uh, and, and I'm not going to be there. And I, I usually, when I am there, they don't win. So I'm not going to, I won't be at the open cup final. So hopefully maybe that will be, uh, what, what keeps them from, from getting the upset. So I think I, I'm going to have to go Salt Lake. And, and as far as far as us soccer doing more with it, I mean, at the end of the day, it's about money, right? If you don't have, if you don't have uh, big money coming in TV-wise, there's no big TV contract for it. Uh, I mean, Gold TV uh, bought the rights to the final. But other than that, there's just not the money in it for for U.S. soccer to to, to really do more with it. And, 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 yes, I know some people will say, well, they should just invest in it anyway. It, it, it just is so important and historic and, and all that. It's easy to say, but you know what? They still, you know, they're still the ones that are going to have to cut the checks. I would it be great if at some point the tournament was more prestigious and had more attention and got more publicity and got more marketing money behind it? Yes, I think most reasonable people would say yes. That would be great. Do I see it happening? Probably not. Next question comes from Peter Howard. What team moves to the West in 2015 when NYCFC joined the league? Houston or Sporting Kansas City? Wow, we're already talking about New York City FC. Of that's, course, Ivis. That's all anyone wants to talk about. That's what I want to talk about every single time. Well, show. you know, they're only a year. Actually, this the... is a guy. He's, he's he's from Portland. It looks like, and he's asking this question. Oh, he's he's already he... thinking ahead. See that? That's he the guy who's thinking know, ahead. He, he wants to know who to root against. Yeah, exactly. That's smart right there. Look at that dedication. Listen, I can tell you, if it's if it's going to come down between those teams, it's going to be Houston. Houston's going to move back. They've, they they flip flop before. You bring them back west. You get them back in that in that rivalry with FC Dallas. And also, Sporting KC just being a powerhouse that they are, they are an Eastern Conference powerhouse. You can't. I mean, the West is tough enough, right? You can't. You can't also throw in KC to that side. I think. I think Houston goes over. Uh, it just makes too much sense, especially with the Dallas rivalry and everything. And the final question comes from Marcos Marcus, excuse me, Pacheco. Who do you see or want to see as the U.S. Men's National Team's second November opponent? Well, I mean, I've heard Austria that apparently is going to be a second opponent. Uh, you know, obviously that's not like a super sexy opponent, but, you know, they're in that. Uh, why is that so funny? They're not. They're not Spain, Germany, Netherlands. Uh, and who knows? Maybe they can get a Netherlands. Now that Netherlands is qualified already, that'd be a great matchup. It would, it would definitely be a tough 
a tough, tough test well, for this, them. Well, in the Austrian game, the scenery in the sands could be the sexy opponent. Well, I mean, having been to having been to Austria, <laughs> I won't argue that. But in terms of competition, I don't know if that's necessarily what. Especially when you're already playing Scotland. Scotland's not like a huge challenge. I mean, they'll be a tougher opponent at home uh, than they were in Orlando. Um, but I don't know. If it is Austria, if the two opponents are Scotland and Austria, it is a little ho-hum. Absolutely. I will totally get if U.S. fans are like, really, guys? Really? After the after playing the likes of Italy and Bosnia and all that, like you're gonna play Scotland and Austria, that would be a little lackluster. But again, people need to remember, it's e- just because you want to play better teams doesn't mean they're available to you. Doesn't mean those teams want to play you. Doesn't mean those teams aren't already uh, aren't aren't already um, spoken for. And also doesn't mean some of these teams are aren't still involved in qualifying. You know, because they're in, in, people remember in Europe, you have the you know the qualifying playoffs where the the, the teams that are the teams that finish second in their groups play each other. So there's a lot of teams that just aren't going to be available yeah, at, may- around that time. Maybe that's what it is. All the other teams see USA at number 13. They're like, oh, we don't want to lose to USA. That's what it is. They're too afraid. That's, I think that's what it is, Ivis. It really isn't. It really isn't. I think it is. <laughs> that, those are, those are, that's what my sources are telling me. I think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, this, this is something we should talk about. Uh, this is not really related specifically enough. For anyone who listened to the last episode, you know we talked about episode 100, and I started joking about hey, And we started talking about the possibility of doing episode 100 at MLS Cup. And I just want everyone to know that it is my mission to have episode 100 be at MLS Cup Friday, December 6th, wherever MLS Cup is, we will be there. Me and, for, me and Garrett will be there, and we're going pla- to plan it out to, have make, to make that episode 100. And uh, that's, that's the plan. And if we're lucky, everything works out. We'll have a party. We're gonna have a, a, a SBI SBI show party Friday, December sixth. Uh, location to be determined by MLS Cup. I just want everyone to start putting that in your calendars. I, I, we're gonna make that happen. Yeah, we are totally. And it, it actually could be the first time that Garrett and I meet. Yes, so. it's true. We've, we've you, never you, met. You, you could come to the party and you could be there when we have our our, our finally meet moment. Do we hug? What do we do? Do we do shake hands? Yeah, we'll do the bro hug, maybe, you know? Do a little dance, pop some bottles. Well, I don't know. Well, it's, the, it's the, the, well, uh, well the bro, cud, bro, bro hug, excuse me, that might be a little bit different on the East Coast. I don't know. We do stuff differently on the West Coast. So, we, so I mean, we, we, we might need to talk this through because, you know, I, okay. I, I don't know if you, I don't know, I don't know if you pound or you snap or, or, you know, you lean in with the side. I mean, I, I need to know. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want, I mean, we, we could look awkward, you know? I think we'll be all right, but I tell you what—that's the plan. We're gonna uh, SBI. We did an uh, we did an MLS Cup SBI party in 2011, and it was it was, it was great. It was a big hit. Uh, people who went loved it. I wanna I wanna do it again, and and you know what? If we can do it on episode 100 in whether it's Seattle, LA, uh, Kansas City, uh, you know, we'll, we'll we'll do it up. We'll we'll do it right and. Uh, maybe some of our regulars on the show, some of our regular question uh, submit. You know, we got to get Chris McGuffin to come out. Yes, so, because it's only right. He's asking them, like he's asked us nine thousand questions in our Q for our Q and A. So I think it's, I feel like it's only right if he's there for episode one. Yes, I, I agree. I, also, as long as it's not somewhere cold, then then I'm totally on board. Uh, well, it could be in Seattle. It better not be. I I'm going to be complaining the whole entire well, time. Well, hey, I tell you what, I was I was at MLS Cup in Seattle in '09 and. 
it, it, we had some good times there. Although it was a little early, it wasn't. It was uh, I think that was November. I don't even remember now. It was all a blur. But uh, but yeah, mid, mid December, uh, Dece- first week of December in Seattle could be a little chilly. So yeah, um, it's gonna be really chilly because us Arizonians we don't have winter clothing, and I don't want to buy any. So please let it be well, like somewhere like L.A. where it's gonna be like nice and sunny. And, so like, you're just 70. letting you're just letting everybody know you're rooting for L.A. to, to, to be the <laughs> Or Houston, or, or, or Houston, or well, Houston, is, Houston can't like. I think it's pretty much mathematically impossible for them to lose the final. Or or Sporting Kansas City, that's that's fine. They KC, can do it. It could be, it could be KC. Yeah, uh, who else could party, do it? It's a good party city. Maybe maybe somehow Miami can step up and get the bid. I I don't know. Maybe that could happen. I don't know. Home team, top seed host, man, top seed host. I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying, Ivis. I mean, you know, once Miami. again, my sources, yeah, well, my sources are telling me things. So. Your sources, in your head. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no. But listen, folks, it's just if you were if you, if you were kind of thinking of going to MLS Cup, and I know there's some people who who, who like going to MLS Cup regardless of who's in it, and, and some people who try to go every year because uh, it is a great event. It's usually it's usually you know there's usually all kinds of stuff around it. Uh, you know, a lot of players come in uh, for for appearances, and it's usually a pretty good week of events. So. Uh, just add that to the list. We're gonna try to do that. Get some sponsors. Get it rolling. Episode 100 SBI show party uh, in Seattle, LA, uh, KC, or Salt Lake. Uh, I don't know how the I don't know how the diluted beer situation will be in Salt Lake, but we could it could be there too. So who knows? Ivis, though, man, we got to wrap up the show. We got to wrap it up, man. Okay, so now you can tell us if you like us rambling or not. But I did want to let everyone know about. The I, you know why I want to let everyone know because if I, I feel like if I put it out there now we have to have it there's no backing down we've put it out there I put it out there episode 100 December 6th MLS Cup and we're gonna do a party so keep that in mind yes I'm I'm totally down for all that now and you know what another reason is because now Garrett has to go because Garrett has not gone on a road trip yet we haven't met he hasn't come he didn't come to any of the qualifiers now he has to come to MLS Cup yes. To to make sure everyone knows that I'm real and I'm not just this fake person. Yeah, you're like, yeah, you're not you're not the Manti Teo, girlfriend <laughs> of, of, of show co-hosts. No, yeah, I'm not. I know, I know. Yes, I, I need to make this happen. Plus, plus, we need to get a picture with me and Alexi Laws to see if we really are like brothers. Well, now that I know you're a foot shorter than him, it's clear you aren't brothers. Am I? He's not six eight. He's pretty tall, and you, uh, Nick DeLeon made you look like a midget. That Nick was, DeLeon, dude, that, okay, stop it. That picture, this, I did not look good in that picture. If you look <laughs> at the picture, he's, if you look at the picture, Nick DeLeon is, like, totally, like, oh, I'm going to make this guy look like an idiot. I'm going to, like, lean, I'm going to lean in. And he knew what he was doing. I mean, come on, look at him. He knew. He's, like, smiling and leaning in and making me look Nick really small. You're giving Nick a lot of credit. You're giving Nick a lot of credit. <laughs> Please, I, doubt, I knew, I, I knew what he was I doing. I doubt Nick was, I, look, I doubt Nick even was that f- into the whole thing, okay? I don't think he was plotting to make you look like a midget. I think yeah. he was, dude. He knew. He looked at me and goes, oh, I'm going to make this guy look like an idiot. And that's what he did, so. I don't think he needed a lot of help, though. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is true. All right, All right, Ivis. It's crazy late for you. It's crazy late for me. We need to get this show up first thing Monday morning so everyone can listen to it. So you get some bed, man, and I'll, I'll talk to you later. You go to bed, and I'll talk to you later this week. Yes, sir. All right, man. Whenever and as always, everyone listening to the show, we appreciate your comments, questions, uh, anything that you provide and then offer to the show. We, we appreciate everything. We'll be back again later this week. This is the SBS Show.
comes around.